Fulham. Hello, yes, a good morning, a good afternoon or a good evening to you, however you may be listening and wherever you may be listening. This is the Fulham Focus podcast coming to you once again after one of our many firsts of the season. We had our first game. I'll, 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 I'll list this every time just so we can uh, rattle off the first. We had our first game against Palace, our first goal against Spurs, our first win against Burnley. And now we have our first away point, those very crucial away points that will be oh so vital to us in our charge for European places or relegation scrap depending on how optimistic you are over the season. But enough from me. It's time for introduce the guests. And there's two of us, uh, two guests, rather, tonight. So let's go by introducing them. First, we shall introduce J-Mac to the conversation. Jay, a good evening to you. Hello. Good. Why, why are you saying it like that? I, we know you have a posh voice. You don't have to overemphasize it. I know. I just try and live up to it. I'm sorry. Okay, you just try to live up to it. Is that, is that you're, you're trying to create a character out of I'm this? Just, is that what you're trying to do? I'm, try, I'm just trying to be a bit more interesting, Matthew. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I, Okay, that's fine. That's fine. And uh, <laughs> let's say uh, I don't want to say a, a lower class other guest, but seeing as J Mac wants to do it, well, the, the peasant of the group, let us introduce Matt. A good evening to you, Matt. Good evening. You don't want to say it, but you did anyway. Yeah, I didn't want. It, it's fine. It, blame J Mac for wanting to create the character. Everyone is lower. Everyone is scum compared to him in his eyes, is basically what he's trying to go. Right. Enough about us. Let's get on to the game and Brighton away. Two all draw. I don't think we need to get much into the ins and outs. Everyone knows. Seri, very good pass for the assist. Well done him. Um, was it a handball for Mitrovic? Yes, it probably was. I don't think there's really much more that we need to say. Well done, Betts, on his penalty save. Yada, yada, yada. Let's get into it. Uh, Matt, do you think the team selection was right? Obviously, um, the big one was dropping Joe Bryan and playing uh, Le Marchand at left back. Uh, was that something that you were in favour of, or do you think that Slav got the got the team wrong? Uh, yeah, I think he got it wrong. Le Marchand has been a lot of people's kind of early best player so far, but watching him against Brighton, he I think he had a really really poor game. Not just defensively, even though he he gave the ball away a few times. It was more that he really struggled to get beyond the halfway line. You know, because of that, that meant Andre Schurler had a lot to do. And even though he scored, he had, you know, he had a lot of work and he had quite a tricky game. And their right back, Montoya, all he had to do really was kind of step inside, show Schurler down the line. And, and we weren't much of a threat down that side. You can see what Slav tried to do. You know, Le Marchand has got more height than Joe Bryan and he, he's more defensive. But we, it, that didn't really work out. You know, he didn't win a great deal of headers that I can remember. And he was quite sloppy with his passing. So for all the kind of the reasons Slav might have gone for it, I think it worked against us in the end. And, and it, it, yeah, it didn't really work out. And, and looking back at the time, it looked a bit strange. And looking back, it, it was the wrong decision. OK, so you say Le Marchand is a more defensive player than Joe Bryan. Do you think maybe so this is, you know, a, a picking aside of uh, home games and side for away games where you're meant to be more defensive? Or do you still think that, you know, four games in, He's still trying to experiment, or do you think that you know Le Marchand's going to be a permanent left back for away games going forward? I I don't think he'll be a permanent fixture. I think, as you say, Slav is still trying to work out what his best team is. I can see where he's going by by being a bit more defensive away from home, but Brighton aren't the most attacking team as it is, and it kind of goes against the way we play. You know that high risk, high reward, uh, we'll outscore you kind of thing, and. I don't think we can get away from that too much because, let's face it, we don't have a very strong defence. 
So if we, we put the emphasis on the defence, it, it, it's not going to work out, at least in these early stages where they're still getting to know each other. Yeah. Now, John, uh, J-Mac rather, you were one of Joe Bryan's biggest fans over the summer. You were a fan of him before he even joined. So are you uh, on the Slav out brigade since he dropped your uh, your favourite player? Or do you think that he made the right call? As Matt was sort of hinting to, I think I could see, I could understand what Slav was trying to do and what you said as well. I think he wanted to add a tiny bit more muscle, but then again, that sort of compromised the attacking from the left on and made Charlotte completely, you know, not as effective as he should have been and had to do a lot more defensive work than necessary. So I feel I was disappointed that Brown wasn't there, and I, but I understand why he did it. And I think we've learned from that mistake to not make sure that doesn't happen again. Uh, I think Joe Bryan, just to say, has been. His step up from you know nearly going to Aston Villa and from Bristol City has been immense. He's he's been wonderful, and I, I hope I hope we do see him next week against City. That'll be a good game for him to play the next two okay, weeks, now, rather. Now Lemarchon was pushed out to left back, assumingly to accommodate uh, now presumably fit because we got uh, ninety minutes out of him, Alfie Mawson. Again, I quit. I make this question: Do you, do we think Slav knows his ideal? Uh, he knows his ideal team yet because there's still a little bit of chopping and changing. Do you think we're now settled at least on a back four? We're going to get we're going to get into the midfield in a second, but in terms of a back four, I think we can agree that uh, Fossu Mensa is going to be the first team right back going forward. There's still a little bit of a debate about whether or not Dennis Adoy is Premiership quality, uh, a Premiership quality centre back. I personally don't think he is, but no, I I can't say that Marcus Bernalli deserves his fair shot after being mentioned in the Championship season without saying at least Adoy gets. Now, a fair dig, you know, and at least a try to be in the Premier League. Uh, Alfie Mawson, I think, is a Premier League is a Premier League centre back. Le Marchand, I think, is a Premier League centre back, and Joe Bryan is a Premier League left back. But obviously, something's got to give. Jay, do you think, or do you think that this is the you know num the first team back four, or do you think that we're likely to see you know Callum Chambers coming in, or maybe Cyrus Christie starting a right back? Do you, what do you think our best back four should be? I think it's still very early days for our back four, unfortunately. It should have been, you know, we should know by now. But I think when Tim Ream's fit, that it could actually be that Mawson and Tim Ream become actually quite a formidable pair in the middle. Mensa has been good, but he has let he has let himself down on two occasions now for me, but against Brighton and against Burnley for not tracking back a bit too high up and a bit too attacking-minded, which is good for slab system, but still not as defensively sound, in my opinion, as Christie has been on occasion. But I think it all depends on Ream, and I, I think Ream will have a huge part to play when fit again, and I think Mawson will be alongside him for sure. See, so here's the thing, so as, I, as I said, as I, and as I've said many times, Matt, I'll come to you in a second, with the amount of signings we gave, we're in a bit of a conundrum. Do you give faith mm. to the team that got us promoted, or do you go for this New young blood because you know something's got something's got to give. So going forward, you know, or you know, I I think we've suggested in a couple of uh, podcasts the Spurs one. I think it was maybe going to a back five, which would then you know accommodate more of the centre backs slash uh, wing backs slash full backs, however you wish to see them. Again, do you see this going with a back four or back five? And how do you think? What do you think our first team should be? Um, I th- I think we need to stick with the back four. Um... Simply because I think I made I made the point in a, in a few shows ago. I think we'd give up too much attacking wise if we went three at the back with wing backs. You know, 
certainly at home we we have wingers who or Slav likes to play the wingers uh, wing backs who bomb forward and get in front of their in front of their man and with three at the back you know you've only got one man one wide player it, it that won't work you would kind of lose the the threat down the flanks I think um so I think we stick with four uh, Joe Bryant obviously is is in there I can't call Christian Fossi Mensa. I think Fossi Mensa may have just a bit more speed, but I think Christie's better going forward. And certainly at home, I think that's what we should go with. Odoi, oh, I was going to come on on tonight and say, you know, credit where it's due, he had a great game because it looked like he did. And then I watched the replay of their opening goal. And, uh, you know, J Mack has said he, he was, um, Fossi Mensa was caught out of position, but Odoi, he can kind of he can see where Mawson's going. Mawson is tracking his man, which I think is Basuma, and Odoi doesn't need to follow him. And he he leaves a huge gap behind him for uh, Glenn Murray of all people to leave wide open to score. Uh, so there was just an absolute calamity at the back there from from three out of the four defenders. So I think we do need to to stick instead of mixing and matching like Slav seems to be doing. He needs to pick four and give them a run of games, which I think should be Brian. Uh, Reem, Mawson and Christie for me. Okay, that's fine. And moving further forward, we um, had the injury new, uh, uh, news. I was going to say crisis for a moment, but we don't know until, you know, fully uh, known to, uh, when Tim, Tom Kearney's going to be back. Tom Kearney, it is Tom Kearney. The addition of Kevin McDonald into the midfield and also as captain, Again, J-Mac, is that something that you agree with? The midfield of, you know, Siri McDonald and Angisa? Is that, no, because there was a lot of talk. I saw someone mentioning having Andre Scherler as that, you know, Tom Kenny in central midfield. A lot of people saying we should go for Stefan Johansson, who, you know, offers a little bit more steel and grit in the centre midfield, particularly for an away game. Did you agree with that midfield three, or do you think we could have gone, uh, we could have gone another way? To be honest, when I saw the lineup, I was actually quite annoyed because I thought this would be the perfect type of game for Johansson. And I was quite disappointed to see him come on quite late with uh, Ryan Sessegnon later on as a sub. But I thought Anguissa actually played very well. And he actually really surprised all of us that he is quite good at going forward. I mean, it's obviously because of him that we got the first goal that led to Se- the pass to Seri. And it was wonderful to see Kevin McDonald finally wear the armband. I haven't seen him wear it in ages. He's always going to be our captain. Well, my captain anyway. And I thought, I thought the three of them actually worked very well. I can't really fault that. I think Angisa made some really nice passes, and I thought Kevin McDonald was really, you know, quite renowned with what what he was doing on the pitch with his communication, being a leader as ever. Um, I just, I think what I do think is is that we definitely did miss Tom Kearney. We will always miss Tom Kearney, and a lot of people think there's not enough room for uh, Seri and Kearney to be on the pitch that they play too much of a similar role. But I think actually they. Very, very good together. And uh, I hope I hope that it's not too long, this injury. Okay, Matt, same question to you. Yeah, I think the fact that Kenny was missing did show that Siri and Kenny can work together because I I thought it was the right decision to put Angisa in. I didn't think he played as well as uh, as J-Mac thought. I feel like Seri did everything in the middle uh, with K-Mac obviously sitting, sitting back so deep and just protecting the back four. Uh, I think we needed a bit more, a bit more of an attacking player alongside that because Tom Kenny naturally presses up, and I think we wouldn't have been been quite so deep if it was Kenny instead of Angisa. 
similar with with Johansson, I suppose, because he's a, he's more box to box and he's he's not afraid to to really get forward without the ball. Um, yeah, Anguissa did all right, but I was expecting to see more of a kind of physical performance from him, and I don't think he he quite took it by the scruff of the neck as I was expecting him. Okay, and moving moving on forward again, we had the discussion many weeks ago about whether or not we should drop Ryan Sessegnon. I think, uh, you know, proof in the pudding, I think it's starting to show that maybe, you know, Ryan Sessegnon, it was the right decision to drop him. Maybe he's not that quite ready for the Premier League yet. We No, we don't know. I'm certainly erring on the side of caution when it comes to him because I don't want him to be, you know, demoralised and burnt out far too early. You know, you don't want to put him in get a whole load of five out of 10 performances, ruin his confidence and ruin his career. I don't think it will, but you got to err on the side of caution. The inclusion of Vieto and uh, Scherler as the two wingers with uh, the ever on fire Mitrovic up front. Again, do we think that now we've settled on a front three, uh, J-Mac, or do you think that there's still some twists and turns to be had? I think potentially there are some twists and turns. I like uh, Vieto had a poor game, in my opinion. Um, he was immense, the, the, the one before. And Ryan Sessegnon, I think, has been actually a victim of having such a good season last in the championship and all this hype around him winning all these awards that he's been back-pocketed by every right back, you know, and he hasn't actually had a chance to really express himself. And I was really happy. I mean, even though he didn't score, that run that he made towards the end of the game was very good on the eye. But I think what we need, I'd like to see more of AK, to be honest. I thought AK was, I was desperate for AK to come on in this game. And I don't think that Vieto will necessarily be starting every match. But I think Scherler and Mitro are definitely solid and will remain where they are. Okay, Matt, over to you. Yeah, Cessna, I think he's he's got a big role to play, um, probably especially away from home, where he can he can cover the flank a bit more. Um Especially if we if we use Joe Bryan and, and attack down that flank, he's, he's a different kind of player to uh, Sherla, who you know gets the ball, cuts in. Uh, Cessna is much more about sort of getting into space and rather than taking on his man. And I, I did enjoy when he came on actually that they looked terrified. I didn't think Montoya, their right back, had a great deal to do. When Cessna came on, the sort of centre back came over. I think it was Duffy, and that that. That chance that J Matt talks about, he he got round two of them and then dunk as well. And I I saw you know I was looking up at the top corner exactly where he scored against Derby, and I thought that was happening again. And there would have mm. been absolute scenes in the way end, but it, it wasn't to be. Uh, and he I think he sort of just didn't quite decide where he wanted to put it. And he he would have deserved that goal for that run, but I think he's got a big role to play. Uh, he's going to have to be happy with not playing as many minutes because Shirley for me at the moment is the absolute pick of our signings. He, he looks fantastic and he's, he's, I think he can easily get 10, maybe 15 goals this season. So, you know, I'm of the view, I think I said this towards the end of last season, Abubakar Kamari is a, is a fantastic impact sub. And again, I sort of agree, I think that this would have been a game where you bring where you bring him on late on against tiring legs. And you know, even if you, you know, swap both the wingers, swap both Vieto and Schiele and have just fresh legs, Sessignon and Kamara, you know, providing they're on the correct wings, we don't want to have a Kamara on the left, session on the right debate again. But as long as they, they're doing their jobs properly, I absolutely think there's room to have them both as both as impacts up. Now, our boss, Danny, insists that we talk about this, and I want to stay on his good sides because I quite like doing this job. Do Alexander Mitrovic, the penalty, do we think it was a penalty or do we think he was, do we think he was harshly treated? Matt, you first. Penalty. 
Penalty. J-Mac? Stone Cold penalty. Stone Cold penalty. I agree it was a penalty. There we go. We discussed it. Everyone agrees. <laughs> um, and, we, and, we're, and we're agreeing on the first one as well. On Glenn Murray. Penalty. No. Oh, well, no. It, okay. It, it was you. a penalty, but he was offside, wasn't he? Exactly. And okay. I, I was chatting to a Brighton fan today at work. And he was like, well, he didn't touch the ball, did he? Well, no, but he practically shielded the ball from all the defenders. So if that's not interfering with play, then I don't know what it is. It was offside, shouldn't have been given. But great save. And if, if they'd have scored that, that would have changed the game completely. So even though they didn't score, I'm pretty annoyed that that was given. Fine. And that brings an end to our debate on Brighton. Now it's time for a very special debate. Fulham. Right. Now, as many of you know, or many of you may not know, depending on your interest in the little whites, that's a copyrighted tr- uh, phrase, by the way. Don't, I don't want anyone seeing uh, using that willy-nilly. The little whites is a phrase of mine. Um, are in the checker trade. <laughs> what are you, who's sniggling? Who's laughing at my name? Who's laughing at my name? You can keep it. It's fine. Right. Good. I'm happy with that. They have been drawn in a group with Wickham Wanderers. You know, you know, much like a tree falling in a wood, if no one's there to hear it, didn't make a sound. If Fulham don't play Wickham Wanderers at some point during a season, did it really happen? So our senior side have had a fair crack at it in recent years. Now it's time for the little ones to do so. We've also been drawn with Oxford United and Northampton Town. Um, I don't want to get too much into a sort of preview about this because, you know, we've got one match tomorrow against Oxford and I can't really preview the three games because... It's just get confusing with you know who's going to be in the side or not. I was initially going to do this based on how many goals is uh, Thor Steinson going to score, but he's been sent out alone, so that scraps that. But we're just going to have a general debate because it's a very controversial topic about whether or not the Checker Trade Trophy A should exist and B, you know, the, well the format of it and C should Fulham be taking part in it is it beneficial for our players. I'm going to sort of start off with my view because I'm very, very, very pro. Um, checker trade trophy, as I you know was because it was because it's developed from the Johnson's paint slash LDV van slash Leyland Daff of the years gone by, and it's you know been and it's evolved into what it is now. I personally think that the more games that academy and young players get against grown men is a good thing. You know, there's only so much you can do. You know, George Williams has had this. You know, when he's now at Forest Green, but he had this. He was stuck in our academy for so long, playing against people of his own age, his own size, where he would have been, it would have been much more beneficial for him to be sent out on loan as he was to MK Dons and playing against men, again, used to a more physical style and also being used to, you know, different types of tactics and different types of formations. And when you introduce the under 23s into this system, I can't see a negative to it. I've heard many teams saying, oh, it's a way to, it's, you know, it's uh, uh, testing the waters for when B teams inevitably come in. I don't think that's going to happen in the future. And this is just a fair compromise. No, why not have these players playing? You know, it's more games as a start as well. That's, it's a minimum of three games that the academy kids are going to have in their season. And it's going to be more beneficial to them because against grown men, so they can get used to a more physical style. Physical start, that's going to be the you know, trademark, the, the uh, main word, the you know, word of the day for this topic. And I'm, going to st- and I'm going to stick with it. And I personally think that this is a, it's a competition we can do well in. We've seen how well our academy does over the years you know, with our you know, FA, FA Youth Cup run in 2014. So 
why not give these young kids a chance? And as I've said, it's a chance to get to Wembley at the end of it. And I don't care what you say, I'm sticking to it. Any Fulham team that makes an appearance at Wembley, regardless of the competition, it is something that you should get behind. I don't, someone's laughing and I don't like it. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, it's, I'm, gonna, I'm not moving on this subject. If the Fulham under-23 side got to Wembley, I don't care. It's a team in white or blue, depending on if we have to change our kit, whatever. Playing at Wembley, we should get behind it. Does anyone want to you know, come against me on this issue? I'd gladly take it. Uh, I'll uh, have Jay, you first. Oh, sorry. oh, no, who wants to go first? Sorry, I, I misheard. Who wants to go first? Matt, I think it was yeah, I, I mean, a, I'm, I'm not that bothered. Um, <laughs> b, b, I mean, I get the idea of giving youth players experience, you know, against men, against proper teams, against different tactics and whatever. But it's a couple of games a season, isn't it? I'm not really sure it's going to give them that much experience. Um, I don't know how much the other teams in the competition really care about it. It's not like playing in a league match. And and you said. You know, the pe- people are against the fact that it, it's sort of a way in to get B teams into the league. Actually, that's not such a bad idea. Uh, it's done well in Spain. It's, do- it, it's done well in Spain. It, it, Germany have it as well, where they're kind of under-19 teams sometimes get promoted. They don't seem to last long and they go down again. But but playing a, a, you know in the league against proper teams, that would be a good experience for them. Uh, playing a few games in some no-name trophy that no one really cares about. I don't think that I don't think that's a particularly good thing. See now I take your point with B I'm I again I am for the I'm for I would be for the B team, but I don't think it's gonna happen. So I think this is a fair comment. I would be all for, you know, the Fulham under 23 side instead of playing Stoke and Middlesbrough and QPR and whatever. I'd much rather them going into the conference personally or you know whatever uh, combined counties league or is the Ismithian League still a thing? Uh, whatever that league is. Um, yeah, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, it's still that. I didn't know if it, again, I didn't know if it was a sponsored name or whatever. Um, I'd much rather them go go into that than playing you know, teams of, um, again, under 23 sides. You know, every, cause not even, it's not even every week. They sometimes take weeks off. J-Mac, do you have any anything that you want to add, add to this? You might have to correct me on my facts because I, I've, you know, I've, I've done a lot of research and reading about it. What I don't seem to understand as a neutral on this, I'll come to my, my point of view as a Fulham fan, but as a neutral, I don't really understand how it's fair. And, and I can see as a neutral it potentially being quite an insult to, to lower, lower club teams that have to play under 23 reserves because Luton, Portsmouth and other teams were fined £15,000 a couple of years ago for pulling out full strength sides in this tro- in this competition against under 23 reserves when actually they're trying to you know salvage their season and actually keep players fresh for the actual leagues they're in whereas the under 23s have got do you see where I'm going with this uh, to an extent yes i'm just a bit I, I i think it's a bit dodgy to be honest i don't actually think it's a very I don't know. I just don't think it's a very dignified way of actually making the competition fair. I don't think, um, I think it's quite insulting, actually, for, for, for lower club teams. I can imagine that the Portsmouths, the, the Blackpools, the AFC Wimbledons or the Luton Towns being really, you know, upset by, by the fact that, you know, they can get fined so much of not for, you know, protecting their teams when they're just playing under 23 reserves. You see what I mean? But yeah. I, 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 but I, t- I take all the positive that you say on board and I do actually think that 
it is any any other competition that gets to promote our really quite outstanding youth academy is also is a winner with me. So I'm I'm sort of being on the fence with this, but I actually you know anything that promotes our academy further than the um, than the under you know the FA Cup um, under 18s that we've done and under 23s, then that's a, that's a that's a win for me because I I we we've got such a good strong academy and I'd love for us to show how you know how good we are in yeah. In, yeah, absolutely. And you know what you're saying is a bit insulting to the you know, the lower league teams. Let's not forget that the lower the lower they voted for this. They they wanted this to happen. I think what the what the trade off is because how it how it usually works because this is why you see under 23 and under 18 uh, you know youth teams going up against lower league sides in you now in preseason games. I remember a couple of years ago I went to see our under 21s as it was back then uh, play Woking, and the trade off is. Again, the physical style, I'll say it again, They, the youth team gets used to the physical style, whereas lower league, league two and league one team, the, lower, the lesser team, um, are surely at a skill disadvantage because these are players who are at a Premier League academy. So it's, it's a trade-off. Everyone, you know, each gets, you know, a benefit. Uh, the youth teams are used to the physical style of play, whereas the league one and league two teams get, you know, 90 minutes against teams that are, you know, probably going to be uh, faster and fitter, so they get so they get their stamina and uh, fitness up. More likely to be, you know, more fluid and more uh, a bit more flair in their st- in their style of play. Can you imagine what the Manchester? I've no idea if the Manchester City Academy are in this year. I think they are, but um, if they're in the North, can you imagine what it's going to be like? You know, Pep Guardiola youth going up against Rochdale. Can you imagine what the Rochdale lot are going to learn? From that, it's you know it's a great trade off. So that's what I think came from, and that's why there was that sort of compromise. It was put off for one year, where the academy teams had two games away and one game at home, whereas now the academy team plays three games away, and the uh, League One and League Two teams get two games at home. So it's a bit of a trade off. Everyone, yeah, you know, everyone gets some benefit. Everyone gets some benefit out of it. Yeah, well, in, in which case, I mean, I'm completely open to the idea of it being a good thing. I mean, I, I just uh, looking at the, you know, the the fines that I saw listed. But actually, I mean, when you put it to the fact that you know the, these lower league teams will be learning from some amazing, you know, Pep Guardiola coach teams, and uh, then absolutely, that's I, I can imagine it is a good thing. And just, I just hope we get to, you know, grow our academy more and more. To be honest, there are still a lot of names in there that I want to see playing reg- more regularly. And hopefully that can actually inspire them to come into the first team every now and then. Okay, so have I converted you? Are you a fan? Are you going to be at Oxford tomorrow night slash tonight, depending on when you're listening to this? Are you going to be there? All right, I'll go to Oxford tomorrow night. Okay, are you going to be at Wickham when we play them? Yeah, I'll go to Wickham, fine. Northampton, it's a bit of a stretch, but can you going to make that? Are you going to make it? Yeah, I'll go to Northampton, it's fine. Yeah, I'll do it, I'll good, do it, fine. Matt, see, I've got one. That's my mission done. Let's see if we can convince Matt as well. Matt, are you going to be going to Oxford tomorrow night? Uh, you don't ask me all three because I'm not going to any of them. But I've got one. I take your point. You make you made a good argument. Uh, I can see the kind of the, the the way up between physicality and the technical side of things, but I still think it's it's pretty much pointless overall. Okay, so but do you think that do you think there should be you know a a cup competition or some way for the academies to get used to playing against? Against grown men, or do you think it should be just under twenty three stick to under twenty three, is under eighteen stick to under eighteen, seniors stick to seniors? Do you think it just be separated like that, done forever? No, I think like I was saying, I, I, the, the the way the B teams 
done in Spain and in Germany, you know, where the teams can get promoted and relegated through the league system. I think there's a way that that, that could work in the long run. It would take quite a bit of kind of reorganisation of, of the pyramid and all that kind of thing. So it, it will never happen, but I could see the advantage in that. Okay, that's good. I've got... I'll take that. I'll take that as a half a win. So he's, okay, he's okay with the idea. It's just the uh, little technical bits need a bit of working out. Uh, that's the end of debate number one. We're going to have a debate number two because I know everyone likes debates. Uh, debate number two coming up. But first, we've got to go to the quiz. Fulham. Right. It's one of my favourite parts of the week. Well, whenever I'm I'm on it, and whenever I'm asking the questions, so I don't have to do the answers because my word. Danny, who writes these questions, our boss, really does make them hard. And he's made them a really tough one this week. And because there's no game, uh, club game for us to focus on this week and for us to preview, it's all going to be about the internationals because everyone loves international football. After the great summer that was, you know, England losing in the semi-final. What a great summer it was. Everyone loves international football now, despite not caring for the past five years. You know, everyone's on the bandwagon, but whatever, whatever. So we're going to have some Fulham-related international quiz questions. So, are you guys ready for this? Yes. Yeah, so, okay. yeah. Well, if you're not, then we'll go with it. And it's been devised into, uh, you both get a set of questions and we'll see. It, it's a bit of an odd one, but we'll go with it. The first one is going to be a yes or no round. J-Mac, you have the chance to go first. Do you want set number one or set number two? Set number two, please, Matthew. You will have set number Q. Okay. Okay, so this is going to be uh, five questions. You're going to have to tell me whether or not they have scored, these players have scored goals for their country. And these are full of players who have had Fulham connections in the past, okay? So Andy Cole, did he score for England? Yes. Yes, 15 caps. <laughs> yes, definitely. You're going to say yes. Yeah. You're wrong. He didn't. He what? Seriously? <laughs> nope. 15 caps are goals. Okay, moving on. Danny. Wayne Bridge, 36 caps. Did he Wayne Bridge. Yeah. Oh, God. Yes. That is correct. I, I'm, I, he didn't give me against who? Why do I get the feeling it was against Argentina? I get the feeling game. it was some sort of stabbed chip finish because that's the sort of goal he always scored, wasn't it? What do you mean he always scored? When did you ever see Wayne well, Bridge score a goal? Of the, of the two <laughs> or three goals he scored in his career, I think they were both sort of stabby toe pokes. The only goal I can remember him scoring was for Chelsea against Arsenal. That's the only one I can think of. But anyway, moving on. You get one point from that. Oliver Norwood, 53 caps for Northern Ireland. Has he scored? Yes. No, he hasn't. Oh, for God's sake, this is ridiculous. He's <laughs> a penalty taker and everything. Okay. Bjarni Gold. Beak. Should I never knew how to pronounce that name. Okay. Denmark, 28 caps. Yes or no? Yeah. Nope, he didn't score either. <sighs> Thomas Callas, our great leader who's now at Bristol City. Did he score? Yes or no? If I say no, the answer is going to be yes. So I'm, going to say, I'm going to say yes again. He did. He has scored twice yeah. for the Czech Republic. <laughs> in fact, one of them was in the, I believe, was in the very prestigious China Cup this year. Now, that means, Matt, you get set number one. So, Tim Ream of the USA, 26 caps. Yes or no? Uh, yes. Yes, he has scored one goal. Oh. <laughs> Chris Smalling, 31 caps for England. Yes or no? Yes. That's correct. He has scored one. 
Eric Nevland, only eight caps for Norway. Yes or no? That's got to be yes. Nope, he didn't get any. Cyrus Christie for the Republic of Ireland, 17 caps. Yes or no? No. No, that's wrong. He scored two goals. Two? Oh, mate. This is ridiculous. And Michael Madill, one cap. Now, did he make it a Francis Jeffers type of cap? (laughs) One cap? How hard is that? Or David Nugent, depending on which, you know, one cap one do you wish to talk about. Michael Madill, one cap for Austria. I mean, the fact that he's even a question means I'm going to say yes. Nope, he has not scored for Austria. So, after round one... After round one, we are tied at two apiece. Now, round two, this is a higher or lower, and there are five points available on this. It's basically a higher or lower. Everyone's seen play your cards right. You know, everyone knows the system. Higher or lower, take a go from there. Uh, Matt, you get to choose. You get one or two. Pick one. Uh, I'll stick with one. You'll stick with one, okay. And this is who has the most, or, you know, that's a higher or lower on caps earned. So, Johnny Haynes for England, had 56 caps. Stephen Kelly for the Republic of Ireland. Do you want to go higher or lower? I'm going to say higher. You're wrong. He had 39. Okay. That means, J-Mac, you will start. It was going to go Lewis Beaumorte. Would have been lower again on 28. Dixon at two, then higher, 33. Neil Etheridge, higher again, who has 59 caps for the Philippines. And then higher again, Mohamedou Diara, 69 caps for Mali. So, uh, J-Mac, your turn next. Uh, We'll start off with Scott Parker, 18 caps for England. Now, Steve Marley, did he have more or less caps for France than Scott Parker did for England? Uh, uh, More. You're going higher? Going higher. You're correct. He had 23. Good. Now, Louis Saha, again for France, higher or lower than 23? Uh, higher. Wrong, he had 20. Oh, so that's get, so close. You only get one out of that, so it would have been 20. After that, it would have been Fernando Amorbieta, lower with 16. Then we've got a higher for Heide Helgeson, 55 caps for Iceland. And then lower, Stephanie Hansen, 41 caps for Norway. Now, this one, apparently you're playing together. Uh, guess the caps round. So I'm going to give you a player. You have to guess how many caps they got. By the way, if you're if anyone listening to this is saying this is going on a bit, blame Danny. He writes the questions. So round three, Matt, you get to go first. How many caps has Alexander Mitrovic got for Serbia? I have to get it exact. No, well, no, it's uh, closest wins. Get closest gets a point. Okay, um, twenty eight. 28. And J-Mac, you're going for? 22. 22. Well, um, uh, Matt takes it because Alexander Mitchell, at the age of 23, has 40 caps. for. Oh, my God. Wow. I didn't even know that. It's incredible. Now, at the age of 23, he has 40 caps. Now, Ross McCormack for Scotland. Uh, J-Mac, you get to go first. How many caps has Ross McCormack got for Scotland? Um, I'm... 34. 34. Uh, Matt? I'll go a bit higher for uh, 48. Ross McCormack only had 13 caps for Scotland. <laughs> so J Mac gets the point there. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Now on, now, yeah. on, now on to a decent question. Mark Pembridge 
How many caps did he get for Wales? Uh, Matt, you get to go first. Um, 42. Mark Pembridge, uh, 42. And J-Mac? Um, fifth, 50. J-Mac gets the points. It was 54. Oh, no. I, I, by the way, I appreciate both of you not going for the one either side. I appreciate you're playing this honestly and you know, not being... <laughs> Not being complete dicks about it. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> okay, Moussa Dembele, the first, because it's for Belgium. Uh, who went first on that last one? Uh, script. I lost track. Oh, okay, okay uh, Matt, go. Oh, no. J Mac. J Mac goes first. Moussa Dembele, how many Belgian caps? Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 35. 35. 35. Matt? Um, 45. 45. Point goes to Matt because he has had 80 caps. Cool. Right. Exactly. More than I thought as well. And now finally, John Collins. John Collins. Not Collins, John. John Collins. How many caps did he get for Scotland? Matt, you go first. Uh, 85. 85. J-Mac? Go a bit higher. 65. Uh, Matt's at 85. Uh, the point goes to J-Mac because he had 58. So you just get so you just got your numbers wrong, uh, wrong way round, Matt. Otherwise, you got the point. Right, round four. <laughs> yeah. There are how many? Uh, round four. True or false? Okay, there's a true or false. J Mac, you get to go first again. Do you want set one or set two? I'm gonna go for set two. Stick with set two, yeah. J Mac going with step two. Okay. True or false? Chris Coleman has less international caps than both Kit Simons and Andy Melville. True or false? It's too bizarre to be. I mean, I just. I'm going to say true. That is correct. Andy Melville has 65. Kit Simons has 36, and Chris Coleman only had 32, which is a bit, which was a surprise to me when I read it. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Uh, Gary Payton made 33 appearances for the Republic of Ireland, but was born in Birmingham. True or false? True. I mean, oh, is it not me? Uh, no, 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 it's the still, still the same one. I'm, just, I'm going through you first. True or false? So, yeah, you got it. True. Andreas Stoikers, I'm, I'm praying I'm pronouncing that right, um, holds the record appearance, uh, the appearance record for Latvia. True or false? True. It's actually false. And, ah. crikey, Vita, Vitalij Astavies. Yeah, has 167, but Stoikers has 81, so less than half. True or false? Papa Booba Diop famously scored the shock winning goal in the group stages during the 2002 World Cup against tournament favourites Brazil. True. It's false. It was against France. Uh, I just, I'm just saying true to everything, but no, I'm joking. I did actually think that was true. Never mind. <laughs> no, it was, in, it was in that opening game where Bartes let it through his legs. He had, he had a knack for that. And final question. True or false, Clint Dempsey is the USA's all-time top goal scorer. False. It's actually true. He's joint top with Landon Donovan on 57. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. That's not... Okay, cool. Let's see. Two, three, six. Six plus two is eight. So you have eight. So, Matt, you're going to need a perfect score if you're going to win this. So best oh, of luck to okay. you. Okay, so round four. Set number one. George Cohen, just again, true or false, George Cohen was selected in team of the tournament for the 1966 World Cup. Uh, true. 
And it's true. He was selected alongside Gordon Banks, Bobby Moore and Bobby Charlton. So you're on your way. True or false, George Cohen was also the vice captain to Bobby Moore throughout the tournament. Uh, false. It's actually true. Oh, was he? Yeah. So here to think, if Bobby Moore had somehow got injured, you know, during the, um, or sent off in the World Cup final, who would know, then George he Cohen would have been it. on top of the statue at, um, outside West Ham's ground. Or we'd have, or we'd have, <laughs> had, or we'd have just had one outside <laughs> our ground, who knows. Anyway, well, we've already got George Cohen's statue, but another one. Anyway, you get the drift. Anyway, moving on. Question three. Excluding Paul Parker, none of the Mickey Adams promotion squad gained international caps throughout their career. So basically, none of the team that got promoted under Mickey Adams had a single international cap. True or false? I can't believe that. That's got to be false. It is false. And this is a bit of a dick question. Rory Hamill gained one cap for Northern Ireland in 1999. So it's a bit of a trick on one. I'll I'll take that on luck. Okay. Four. Uh, Question four. Rory Hodgson managed England at more tournaments than Sir Bobby Robson. Feel free to do the maths, by the way. Uh, Well, Rory Hodgson is two, right? Bobby Robson... I think of one, so true. It's actually false. It was three tournaments each. Uh, Bobby Robson had two World Cups and one European Championships, and Roy did two Euros and one World Cup. Wow. So, you know, again, if you, again, if you have any issues, blame Danny. And number three, um, uh, doing the maths, uh, you've lost this anyway, but one for pride. True or false, <laughs> George Best scored more goals for Fulham than he did for Northern Ireland. <laughs> oh, this ridiculous question. False. Now, well, you got the point there. Uh, it is false. He scored uh, nine for Northern Ireland and just eight for Fulham. So at the oh, end of that, Matt has seven, but J Mac is this week's winner with eight. So wait, no prize, wait, 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 to, no, no prize to you anyway. So I don't even know why we're playing for the for the point of fun. But anyway, pie. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> pie. Oh, we. Oh, I promise we weren't going to talk about this. <laughs> it's too late. The, the cat's out of the bag, mate. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, the and the blackbirds are out of the pie. But no, no, no. Let's not talk about it. Let's not talk. Right. Um, we've got one more thing to get through, and it is still related to the internationals. As we go into our final debate of the night. Fulham. Right, and this relates to our full time question that we gave out on Saturday, and. I personally can't care less, but you guys are both English, so I'll let you, you know, run with this. <laughs> of the English players in our squad, that's Marcus Bettinelli, that's Ryan Sessegnon, Callum Chambers, Alfie Mawson, uh, Joe Bryan. I'm sure I'm forgetting someone else, but of the English players that we have in our squad, who's going to be the first one you know, to break through and be a Fulham player uh, with England, with an England cap? Because I think Alfie Mawson's already been capped. I'm not 100% sure. Um, who's going to be the first one that breaks through and to be a Fulham player in the England squad? J-Mac, I'll go, well, I'll give my opinion, even though it doesn't really matter. I think it's going to be Sessegnon, just because I purely think he's the best one of the lot. So, and I think he was the closest to being, you know, there was, there's a few talks about him going to the World Cup. So I think he's just the closest, uh, you know, furthest up the ladder, whichever way you wish to put at it. Now, that being said, Gareth Southgate's, you know, Worked with Marcus Bendelli in his under-21 days, so maybe these two penalty saves are going to be enough to 
no, 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 one penalty save. I thought he did one earlier. These this penalty save is going to be enough to get his attention and maybe get him up. But I personally think it's going to be Ryan Sessignon because I think he's the best of the lot. J Mac, you first. Which is going to be who's going to be the first one to make the breakthrough into the England squad? O'Brien. Really? No, of course not. I think so. It'll definitely be Ryan Sessignon. I mean, I think Gareth Southgate was. I mean, I would have been quite annoyed if I was Gareth Southgate at the Burnley game because um, actually because. Sessignon didn't actually play. So I think he was there to actually see what he was like in action. You had um, to watch Joe Hart instead. I know, exactly. What an absolute, <laughs> what a kick in the teeth. Um, I think I think it's obviously going to be Ryan Sessignon. But what also we have to remember is that I think it'll be interesting what that does for us because I think if Gareth Southgate has got Ryan Sessignon in mind for the next few international games, is it a left-back or a left-winger role? And that's the question because I can't see him replacing Sterling anytime soon. But I can see him replacing a left back, so uh, or the potential the next Ashley Young. So I don't really. So it's it's an interesting one, and I think I'll be very interested to know what the position is that crops up for him. But definitely Ryan Sessegnon. See, what's crucial to that is that Ryan Sessegnon was just selected for the England under twenty one teams, and they lift, listed him as a midfielder. So that gives you some indication of what. Ah, okay. Um, who's the under twenty one manager? Is Aidy Boothroyd? Yes. Whoever the under-21 manager is for England, again, I don't care, um, sees, him is, as a, sees him as a winger slash, you know, left forward, which, however you want to produce that in a 4-3-3. That he, he sees him not as a defender, basically. So that's going to be crucial for him going forward. So he's part of the England setup as a winger. Uh, Matt, do you have anything on this? Please say someone other than Ryan Session. Otherwise, this just turns into a pointless thing. Um, well, I'll start with Session, um, even though he, he may not be my pick. You'll have to find out in a minute. Uh, Sessegnon, I, th- I think he's kind of at that point where he might get a call-up, you know, for, for experience, uh, maybe get a place on the bench. I can't really see him playing for England until, you know, he's at least had a good Premier League season under his belt. I think it's a bit too early for him, even though he, he there's an outside chance he might get into the squad. Uh, I think it'll be Mawson based on... He's a similar kind of defender as to how Gareth Southgate is. He wants England to play. You know, he he's comfortable with the ball at his feet, and he, he seems the most ready-made at the moment. Sessegnon uh, in the future, but if we're going in the you know the next player to be called up, I think it'll be Mawson. Again, if we want to get into a sort of you know formation-based thing, you know, Gareth Southgate, if at least if he continues how he did at the World Cup. Going to, going to be playing with three centre-backs, although Carl Walker was one of them, so maybe it's kind of him. But basically playing with three central defenders at the back means that there's you know, more of a chance for Alfie Morse to, become, to come back, you know, because there's three, plus you want to take some subs, there's really five, um, five, maybe six centre-back spots available, whereas there's only really one slash two uh, places available for... No, whoever would be Ryan Session, he'd be a he'd be a left wing back if in the current Southgate formation. Yeah. So it would we we know we know Southgate doesn't rate Chris Smalling at all. So that's another place gone. Um moves him up, up the pecking order. I don't think there's that many in front of him, to be honest. So I think I think he's got a good chance. Okay. Again, I'm just thinking of the England centre backs ahead of him. John Stones is one of them, Harry Maguire is another. Like if we want to go Carl Walker, is that right sided? Defender, go for him. Phil Jones? Would you rather yeah. have Alfie Morrison or Phil, Alfie Morrison or Phil Jones? This is coming into Morrison, an England debate. I don't sure. like it. Alfie Morrison or Phil Jones? Morrison. 
Mawson. Okay. Alfie Mawson or James Tarkovsky? Um, Mawson. Who else is in the debate? Alfie Mawson or Dan Byrne? <laughs> he's the right back, though. Who's now a Premier League player, by the way, because he signed for Brighton. So he's back in the Premier League in somewhat, despite being on loan. Despite being on loan. There's no one else. Like Gary Cahill's retired, so take him out. There's no Ben Mee doesn't crop up as an as a centre back, does he? I wouldn't wouldn't have thought he's in the reckoning, no. Not in the reckoning. So Alfie Mawson, Callum Chambers, I think, were is probably below, far below Alfie Mawson on yeah. the pecking order. Alfie Mawson or Rob Holding is a crucial one as well. Uh, simply for the fact I think Mawson's got a bit more experience, I'd go for him. I think Mawson also is, has a huge amount of leadership quality to him as well. I think you, know, you could he, tell that in the Brighton game, couldn't you? Exactly. Yeah, he came out and just spoke for the spoke for the team and addressed all the problems that occurred. Like, I think he'll be a future captain of ours, actually. I was that perfect. I was gonna, I was just going to say, do you do you see him as a potential captain then going forward, J Mac? Definitely, definitely. He just he just it sounds like a sort of. Like lazy thing to say, but he he just looks like one. You know what I mean? He has the, he has the stature and the build and just a, and the way he communicates on the field, like on the pitch. Oh my god, I can't believe I just call it a field. Uh, the pitch, um, <laughs> like, um, the field on the pitch. I mean, yeah, I can see him being our captain within the next few years. Hopefully, hopefully. Anyway, is that a head? Is that a head of or instead of? Well, basically, instead of Kevin Kevin McDonald. Um, I think instead of. I think if uh, if things go as planned, uh, Noel Wilson could step up to the captain captaincy next season, depending on what happens with Kenny. But I think I don't know the captain thing for us. I know Kenny's just not not really our captain, in my opinion. I mean, he's he's the club captain, but he's not the captain of, on the pitch. He doesn't do all the talks. I don't, from what I'm told. I just I I, I feel Mawson or McDonald are going to slip into the you know. Mawson will slip into the McDonald realm much better. That's fine. Um, which leaves us, you know, that's the end of this week's Full and Focus podcast. There's no fantasy preview to do this week because it's the international break, so there's no, so there's no games. Unless you really want to predict two weeks into the, into the future. I mean, do you guys want to? Do you guys want to have a go at that? Predicting two weeks into the future for, for a fantasy pick, just say Sergio Aguero and we'll be no. done with it. <laughs> <laughs> our, first, our first game back is Man City, isn't it? It is, yeah. It is. Okay, yeah. so Sergio Aguero. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, Bettinelli. Do you have a lot of saves to make? He will, indeed. Okay, he's going Bettinelli. I'll go Bettinelli as well, just for the hell of it. Um, unless there's any, you know, further Fulham-based uh, discussions that you want to have, you know, whether or not Slav, you know, is, you know, should be wearing a tracksuit instead of a suit, anything, <laughs> anything like that, anything else you want to discuss? Can, um, can I just say... How how lovely it was to be reminded about how much I can't stand Glenn Murray. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's not he's been a thorn friend. in our side in the past, hasn't he? He, he has. He always he scores against up. us. He's the absolute perfect pantomime villain. He's a cheat, and I can't stand him. So he's <laughs> Dom and not those. That's what I want to say. <laughs> the legal reasons. Um, right. If that's everything that's been done, um, I was then... just going to say one thing actually. Um, okay, go just on. just we a quick. Time. Just good. Just a quick point. I, I think a lot of us were quite annoyed uh, very, uh, very quickly after the match of what happened. Uh, we're dropping, you know, two points. But I think we've got to remember that Brighton, you know, haven't lost a home game since January, 
And also, the thing about Brighton is, and I speak on behalf of other fans that I've met, Brighton is the sort of mould we wanted to be when we saw them in the Championship. And the fact that they have done so well with Championship players that have now stepped into a Premier League gear and that we can actually match them. And actually, on the day, we were better than them in many respects um, is a sign of really good good things to come. And also, all our goals that we've conceded so far have been from errors, individual errors and mistakes and communication. And that is just testament to the fact that we are a team that have not fully gelled yet. And I think we have good good things to come. Yeah, as I've said on as I've said on many occasions, and I said in my August review piece, we're in a position. No, we're not in a position to be challenging for the top. So dropped points at this stage, these aren't going to be you no know, crucial to us. You know, it's not a case of you know we can only lose you know, no more than six games, say, in order to get into the top half. We can, in theory, lose you know more than ten games and still be fine. Because you know, I'm, I'm not buying into this whole we should be challenging for Europe straight away thing. Now, let's have a year of solidarity, let's aim for 40 points, so on and so forth. So we can afford to you know, drop points. Let's not make it a constant thing. But yeah, let's not get too caught up on dropping points you know, away in September. You know, let's, let's keep our heads about, about this whole thing. Which means it's time for us to wrap up this edition of the Full and Focus podcast. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening. Please feel free to go on the Full and Focus website or follow us on Twitter at Fulham underscore Focus. We've got plenty of articles. We've got plenty of you know, more quizzes, better than the one that, that Danny put together tonight. There's Q&As, there's blogs, there's everything that you'd ever want from a fully unlicensed uh, Fulham uh, fan site. So, by all means, go for it. Follow us on Twitter. You know what we do. Um, feel free to follow each of us on Twitter as well. I'm at MattRees63, M-A-T-T-R-H-Y-S-6-3. J-Mac is on Twitter and he is? Uh, I am J-McCormick. Uh, so J-M-A-C-C-O-R-M, then the number one, N-C-K. And Matt is on Twitter and he is? Uh, Matt Dom underscore. Adam underscore okay and other than that it's all all that's left for us to say is it's a goodbye from me it's a goodbye from jmac cheerio it's a goodbye from matt goodbye and please 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 come on you whites you whites come on you whites